Welcome to Amazing Business Radio with best-selling author and customer service and business expert, Shep Hyken. Shep will talk with some of the smartest thinkers in business to help make you more successful in your professional and personal life. This is Amazing Business Radio with Shep Hyken. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Amazing Business Radio. Another great episode, and I'm always excited, and this time even more so because back in the house is Doug Sandler. Doug was on the show quite a lot. While I'm saying two years ago, maybe almost three years ago, but he's nationally recognized as a speaker and writer, and he's got great business experience. And the reason we're having him on the show today is because he has started working with clients and doing journey mapping, helping clients find where every possible point of opportunity to increase the customer experience is. And we're going to talk about that a little bit more about Doug. He is a podcaster. Just like we have Amazing Business Radio, he has the Nice Guys podcast. I want to make sure I get that right. Doug can correct me in a moment. But he also has a great book titled Nice Guys Finish First, and it was a top-ranked Amazon bestseller. Gosh, what can I tell you about Doug other than he's a real smart dude? He has interviewed great people like Ariana Huffington of the Huffington Post, uh, uh, Dan Harris of Good Morning America, Gary Vaynerchuk, and I can only imagine the F-bombs that were dropped during that conversation. Anyway, he is the man, and he is in the house, and his name is Doug Sandler. Welcome to Amazing Business Radio. Shep Hyken, it's always a pleasure to be here sitting in the studio. Let's just give the uh, the community that's listening just a, a visual. We have our, our nice cool frescas next to us, ice cold, chilled. Uh, we got our feet up, and we are ready to go. Let's yeah, do it. I think there's also sun. We're on sand, and there's water, a large ocean in front of us. We're sitting on lounge chairs. Is that what you're saying? Well, I don't know about you, but I live in L.A., and I'm about a mile and a half from the beach right now. As soon as I get done with this interview, I'm heading there. So uh, this is holding me back. Let's go, Shep. There's, you're not in L.A. Are you in L.A.? Yeah, I moved a few months ago and, and loving it, man. Loving How it. did I not Come know on. that? I try to keep things on, on low on the radar screen. That way it could be a surprise. Where in L.A. do you live now? There's a small knoll called El Segundo right next to the airport. Uh, it gives me close access to LAX if I have to make a quick escape, and it gives me great travel uh, you know, travel arrangements no matter where I go in the U.S. So, uh, yeah, just a mile and a half from Manhattan Beach and, and uh, a stone's throw from the airport. Wow. Well, we got to get together next time I'm in L.A., which is Please. pretty soon. Anyway, well, let's talk about this whole customer service thing. Give us a little background on, you know, give us some credibility on Doug. Sure. Well, I started an entertainment company, believe it or not, uh, about 30 years ago. And um, what I have found through my entire process is that no matter the type of entertainer you are, whether you're in a band or you're a DJ or you're a novelty entertainer, it really mattered a little bit less in how you provide your service and a little bit or, or the actual technical side of what you do and a little bit more in how you treat the customer. So I determined a, a long time ago that if I take the skill set of returning calls on time, being on time for my appointments, uh, returning all my voicemails, getting back to people quickly, not over-promising and under-delivering, but over-delivering on the promises that I provide, and reaching out and communicating with people um, on a regular basis. I discovered that no matter what business I'm in, whether it's entertainment or, uh, or dog kennel 
or, or anything for that matter, being a, a mechanic in a garage, if you can provide those soft skills well, then you're going to be successful at what you do. And so that got me into the whole customer service game, started speaking on the topic, started to write about it as, in a blog, and then started my podcast a, a few years ago and 700 episodes later. Uh, we seem to be doing well with it, and, and, and I'm loving it. As, as you can attest to the customer service world, it's, it's wide open right now. Right. So first big lesson. Boy, I, I don't know if you could say it again exactly the way you said it, but when you said, you know, returning phone calls, doing this, doing that, riff through that list one more time because sure. everybody well, needs to hear this because this is common sense that's not common. And every business, B2B, B2C, uh, government to consumer, G2C, doesn't matter. This is what you need to do. Well, what's interesting about it is I even coined it. If I mean, I can't steal the uh, the whole idea of returning your phone calls is an original thought. But the uh, the nice Imagine guy thirty, you, you train these five habits into your into your working day thirty days, and they're and you're going to come out on top. So return your calls, return your email and communication, be on time every time for your appointments, stop over promising and under delivering, and actually over deliver on the service that you that you provide. And reach out and communicate with people on a regular basis. Those five steps, the nice guy 30, the 30 days, those five habits, you'll get to uh, actually become a very successful person no matter what you do. Yeah, the nice guy 30, where can we find that? Uh, right on my website, dougsandler.com. And in the little search box, you can just type in the nice guy 30 and uh, it'll pop up for you. Got it. And I, I'm writing this down because I don't want to forget either. Nice guy 30. And you know what? 30 days to doing the right of doing the right thing every day and guess what you'll be a rock star and you will uh, be a rock star love it all right so why are we talking today because just last well actually earlier this week you and i yeah. were talking on your podcast and uh can't wait to hear that episode thank you very much we're we're sure. talking about the new book uh the convenience revolution so thanks for your uh, promotion and your love and your energy on that but we learned, or I learned, that you are doing you were doing this journey mapping, um, I guess for lack of a better term, project for mm -hmm. one of your clients. And I go, tell me more about that, man, because I've talked about this and I love this. Matter of fact, uh, I'm meeting not not too uh, distant future Annette Franz. Do you know Annette? Yeah, I know Annette. Annette actually helped me with uh, with the actual visualization of the map so that I could uh, actually lay it out for my customers. So, uh, yeah, very cool. Yep, Annette's great. She's been on the show before. Well, maybe when I come out there and meet with her, we need to all get together. That'll be fun. But uh, this, is a, this is a great plan. She's much prettier than you are, Shep. Well, and not only that, she's much prettier than you are. So That's true. you may be no tall, doubt. dark, and handsome, but she is, you know, anyway. Uh, so, whatever. We... <laughs> we can talk about that for a little while if you want to. Yeah, I get myself in a little bit of trouble, that's for sure. Yep. So, yep. well, anyway, uh, I was intrigued by what you were doing with your client, and I thought, you know what? I need to learn more about this. And when I did, I said, you know who else needs to learn about it? Our listeners of Amazing Business Radio. So talk a little bit about the project, and then I'd like you to take us through some steps that really we can do to start our journey mapping process, short of actually hiring you or Annette to do it. Sure. And, and this is something that certainly it's great to be able to hire a professional like uh, like me or Annette or any number of people that do this to come in and teach your organization about it. But just imagine a visual representation of the customer experience from the beginning they get in touch with your your brand until the day that they either refer or or uh, become a customer and then beyond that into the support side of things. Imagine that visual representation. I mean, it really does help define the experience 
in a visual map for not only uh, management, but for the people that are working for your organization. And interestingly enough, even for your customers, if they wanted to see it, how cool would it be able to show them what a map of their experience would look like? But for the most part, it's an internal document that we use to visually represent the experience that the customer has all the way through the process. So do you make it look pretty? Do you make it look like a map or is it just a list? Well, you can do one of a couple of things. I know a lot of times what we'll do is we'll sit down, for example, with a specific customer that we recently did this with. We sat down with their management team and over a course of about five or six hours on a Sunday, we outlined the entire process. We outlined that the, each step on just on a, a big, big post-it note sheet of paper. Actually, I have them hung up right behind me right now. There's one, two, three. There's eight of, eight of the sheets of paper right on my board. Not only did we outline the experience that the customer has through their journey with, with, uh, with the organization and every time they have a touch point with their brand, but we outlined the problems that each person has or each customer might encounter with that touch point. Then on the Monday and Tuesday following that, we sat down with each of their 75 staff members, and maybe a, a few less than 75, each of their staff members, and we um, actually found out from them what they thought the customer journey was all about as well. And not only was it amazing to compare the management side of things to the to the front line side of things but it was amazing to see the areas where they thought there was challenges within the system and maybe where management was missing some of the challenges the staff picked it up where the management thought there might have been some problems the staff didn't think there was any so it really is a an eye-opener for everybody involved in the process Chef. wow very cool and i'll tell you what else uh, granted it was a small company of 75 people by including everybody you showed that everybody had a role in what was really ultimately the top line uh, of the of the impact uh, and the touch points that customers have with a company, uh, even if you get into a larger company with instead of seventy five people, it might be seventy five hundred people or seventy five thousand people, you can look at the different divisions and recognize that everybody within that division has their role. I think that's an important point that even though you're looking at the top line, people behind the scenes impact. Now, I'm going to ask you another question. Well, actually, two questions are coming to mind here. Number one, you mentioned, you know, we're looking at those touch points where, you know, there seems to be problems. I just wrote an article about this. It, you know, it's like, well, people always complain about this. Why do they always complain? If they're always complaining about it, why don't you just stop it? Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's not always that easy. But is that something where it's like, hey, we all here's a friction point. This is this is a, a real problem right here is where it clogs up. And why do, why is that the case if they know it's there? What's your take on that? Well, that's the bottom line. I mean, that's exactly where we're trying to get with, with the customer journey mapping to begin with. Not only are we trying to outline the experience that the customer takes when coming in contact with someone's brand, but we're trying to find the points of tension. That is the, if, if we get into this with the idea of let's just outline it and not worry about those points, we're missing the entire, uh, entire process. We want to find those points. It's now just a matter of whether you're getting management buy-in to fix those points. Now, it may require hiring somebody new, which obviously is going to be a challenge if somebody's tight on their budget. Uh, it may involve realigning positions. It may involve uh, have some overlap to positions that uh, or it may just be confusion among the staff. They don't know whose problem it is. So if you align parts of the journey with those inside the organization, we're best able to serve the customer. And that's really what we're trying to get to. Wow. Excellent, excellent information. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk more about journey mapping. We're going to talk about these touch points, talk about how you deal with the friction within a touch point. And uh, I've got an idea that we should also discuss, which is what happens 
prior to that very first touch point. I want to talk about what uh, some are referring to as the zero moment of truth. We'll be right back. This is Amazing Business Radio. We've been talking with Doug Sandler, and I am Shep Hyken. Don't go away. Good customer service is now an expectation. Don't provide it, and you'll be disrupted by a competitor who does. So, what can you do to stand out? Well, that's the focus of my latest book, The Convenience Revolution, how to create a customer service experience that disrupts the competition and creates fierce loyalty. The goal is to reduce friction and be convenient for your customers. So if you're ready to take your customer service to the next level and disrupt your competitors, well, this is the book for you. To order the book, go to www.beconvenient.com. That's BeConvenient.com. It's time for you to join the revolution, the convenience revolution. This is Amazing Business Radio with Shep Hyken. We're back on Amazing Business Radio talking to the amazing, the incomparable, the uh, omnipotent, <laughs> I don't know, the grand, Wow, exalted, I like omni- omnipotent. I'll take, I'll take omnipotent. I've never been omnipotent before. My I don't even know what that, that word actually means. I just. I think uh, it means all, I think it means all present. I All present. It, I think so. <laughs> nice well, work. together we're present. <laughs> okay, I'll take it. Awesome, awesome. All right, so I mentioned something, and I believe they call it the zero moment of truth. It's Google. It's something that came up. If a company is out there and a customer is looking for what the company does and they go online and start searching around, or maybe they don't even go online uh, initially. Maybe they're just talking to friends and there is a touch point that the company has no control over whatsoever, but it leads them, it leads them, the customer, uh, customers, it leads them to the internet where they go on and they search and they get on the website. And all of a sudden, here are a number of touch points that are happening within uh, the website. And the company doesn't even know this customer yet exists. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So let's go there. Do you cover that part of the process? If it, if it ain't on the map, it's not a part of the process. So I would say absolutely you need to put it on the map because any time the, the, the customer or potential customer comes in contact with your brand is an opportunity for you to sell them your, your, your services. Uh, and that just doesn't mean buying products and services from you. It could just mean sell them under the idea of clicking one more time, sell them into the idea of getting them into your office, sell them in the idea of making a phone call or filling out that contact sheet. So in this particular case, with this one client that I said I got the, the sheets, the post-it notes up on my wall behind me, you know, they have three potential opportunities to put that, that client in their in their business, an online call-in and walk-in. And if you're not focused on all three of those, creating a separate map for each one of those, then you're leaving out an, an impart, important part of the equation as well. Mm, yep. So any suggestions to a website to enhance the journey that a customer has? Well, let's take, I mean, you used it on my, uh, on my show when you were there and you used Amazon as one of the examples. How easy is it? One click buying. Yep. I mean, if you can do a, a, a one click contact sheet or anything that involves one click, make it easy. If you make it easy for your customer to do business with you and that's through your website, through walk-in, through phone-in, however they're coming in contact with your brand, they're going to want to do business with you over and over and over again. It could mean something as simple as putting a, putting a Facebook ad up that actually has access directly to your pricing sheet. If you're somebody that is a commodity and that it, it's just making it easy, no matter what it is to do business with your organization. Yep. I like it. And that's that's the key. Easy. And what is easy? Easy is convenient. And what is convenient? 
It is the subject of my next book, The Convenient Revolution. Say. Oh, man, look at how we got there. <laughs> that was good, Chef. That was, that was artful at best. <laughs> All right. So uh, we were talking at the break. Uh, high value, low risk. High risk, low value. These are touch points, and part of what you do is assess uh, the importance, the value, the risk, that is tied into each one of these interactions that a customer has with your company. Can we get into that? Sure. I mean, it, it, just look at it this way. If you have a service that you provide, and one of the things that you're providing is a higher, high area of risk, meaning or a high risk area, meaning this is a this is a potential area where the customer is going to get stuck in the process, or you're not you don't have as quite a fluid of a process as you would like, or you can't get them to the next step, or you can't get them to upgrade a product or service. You might want to either consider one of two things: changing the system to make it an area of low risk, so high risk. Uh, low value to you, meaning that there's a high probability that somebody is going to get stuck in your system, low value, meaning there's a good chance that they're going to get angry with you, or low risk, meaning it's something that's easy for you to do, put a smile on your customer's face, high value, meaning that you're going to enhance the customer experience. You're looking for as many low risk, high value opportunities as possible in your in your map, and you're looking to eliminate or delete or, or, or maybe even get rid of completely um, the high risk but low value things. I, I was sharing with you, we own a podcast production company. One of the areas that we have that's high risk is our show notes. Uh, show notes oh, simply because there's so many people that have uh, specific ways that they want their uh, their notes written for their podcast, yet uh, low value, meaning we're not really getting much money for that because there's not a lot of value for the show notes. We could raise our prices, uh, but that's not going to eliminate the problem of having still a high-risk spot, and we're not interpreting the, the meaning of the host well enough to, to share their ideas artfully in the show notes. So for us, we have to make a decision. Do we want to take this high-risk area, these show notes, which creates low value for us, low dollar returns. And do we either want to eliminate them, improve the process, or try to create a system that is uh, low risk and high value, more money for us in the door if, if money is our barometer there? And so how do you do that? If you, you find this, I mean, really, I don't know if there's any upside. And, I, I, and I'd, I'd love to get in, into a different example other than the show notes because – I think people, okay, uh, they, they may not be able to relate to that yeah, as much. Relatability. Maybe, maybe there's a, a website. Uh, I mean, if you want to go back to Amazon, we can. They're the ones that do it right. But maybe there's a website. Well, I, well here, I, I'll, give, I'll give you one. Okay. I'll give you one. I think you use this as an example also. Or maybe someone else that was on my uh, podcast used this as an example. Um, we have somebody coming to service their car. They come into the service center, and um, they are, uh, they're they're told that it's going to take them four hours to uh, to repair the car. Now, you've got a guy that, that probably is, let's say, is an executive. He owns a BMW. It's coming in for service. To provide them a loaner car, that is a low-risk, high-value thing. Yep. It's a, it, it, they have the car. It's sitting in the lot. You may as well let your customer use that. You're giving them a happy thought. Um, the other side of it is high-risk. Uh, if you have something that you want that customer to do, low value, meaning that there's a low value of return, you probably want to eliminate that for them. And, you know, there's many ways that we can approach this, but we're trying to find whatever that is that is low risk but has a high value for you, just like that loaner car. I get it. All right. So uh, show, tell me, okay, so that's high value, low risk. I, I want to flip it around. I, I know you talked about the show notes. That seems to be high risk, low value. Give me another high-risk, low-value example. Well, let's think of it for a second. Let's think of what it would be. Uh, somebody walks into – let's use the airlines as an example. There you go. Um, That's something high, everybody can relate yeah, to. Yeah, everybody can relate to that. High-risk, 
uh, we're going to charge you $150 to take your pet on board with us. But we will only let you put, uh, we're only going to let you put your pet under the seat or in the overhead container. Oh, no. Don't go there. Don't go there. (laughs) No, I agree with you. High risk. So why would they even, maybe they have to make a decision that although we want to be a pet friendly flyer, we don't want to take the risk that's involved with taking your pet on board. High risk, low value for them. They $150 does not make it make it worthwhile to lose an animal on a on a plane. So maybe they have to say it's just not worth the liability that we that that it's worth. We're just not going to include pets. Unfortunately, we're going to lose some people. Um, another one, uh, Southwest recently got rid of peanuts on their plane. Was that a high risk, low value? I don't think so. I think it was a low risk, high value. They're not going to lose many customers because they are taking peanuts off of their plane. They potentially could gain more customers or more allergy specific customers by get, getting rid of the uh, getting rid of the peanuts. High, low risk high value potential to Southwest Airlines. Right. By the way, back to the uh, uh, other airline example of putting the pet in the overhead. You don't put the pet in the overhead. No matter what. (laughs) No matter what. But guess what? We all remember the story earlier this year of the flight attendant that insisted that the passenger put her pet, which was in a case, in the overhead. And we all know what happened. Yeah, bad scene. Bad scene. High risk. Low value, absolutely no return on that. That would be a value to, to, uh, to the airline at all. Had that gone through smoothly, you would not have heard pet another pet transported safely by XYZ airline. You're not going to hear that, but you are going to hear pet gets killed in overhead uh, storage container by XYZ airline. Right. We yeah. We don't need to mention who the airline is. Right. Fascinating right. information. Really good. All right. We're going to take another break, and when we come back, what I want to talk about is I know you already mentioned who's involved. You started with executives, and then you moved out to talking to all employees. I want to talk really about the importance of including these other stakeholders, if you will. How long it would take to do a typical journey map? Now you mentioned six hours on a Sunday. Well, let me tell you, you get these larger companies, it's not six hours on a Sunday. Right. It's six Agreed. Sundays, uh, <laughs> <laughs> something like that. But I want to talk a little bit about that and just a little bit more about the process. So people, if they want to dive into this, uh, you know, maybe you can give us some resources on where they can go to learn to do it. And, of course, you've got you uh, who's available, and we'd, we'd love for people to call you as well if they need some support in that area. So we are talking with Doug Sandler. You can learn more about him at DougSandler.com, and you should, when you get to his website, type in the Nice Guy 30. Just type in Nice Guy 30 into the little search bar within his website. You'll get those habits that we talked about earlier, and you'll learn more about Doug and how he can support you and help you. We'll be right back. This is Amazing Business Radio. If you like what you're hearing on Amazing Business Radio, and I know you do, then you can get much more of this information. All you have to do is go to my website, hyken.com. That's www.hyken.com. Fill out the subscribe to the shepherd letter form, and each week you will get an article that contains a business tip, stories, much more, all about customer service and experience delivered straight to your inbox. Thanks for listening, and don't forget to always be amazing. You're listening to Amazing Business Radio with best-selling author and customer service and business expert, Shep Hyken. We're back on Amazing Business Radio talking with my man, Doug Sandler, about journey mapping, figuring out the, the points of contact, the interactions that 
that company or that yeah the companies are, interact with their customers that customers find is it easy are these these points of contact easy is it convenient is it uh, is does it just slide right through I mean again Amazon how easy are they and how convenient and when there's a friction point how do we handle it so Doug early in the conversation. You mentioned a company that you just were working with, 75 people. You know what? It's easy to do a journey map on a small company. I mean, 75 people is not a lot of people. Yeah. Yep. 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 What happens when you get to 75,000? And by the way, oh, one, one day, I'll just preface this by one day, um, I was talking to a bunch of C-suite executives, and I kept talking about this simple process, this simple process. And one guy raises his hand. He goes, you keep saying simple. You know, how long is this going to take me to do? And I said, well, how many people do you have? He said, 35,000. I said, it's going to take four to six years. When would you like to get started? <laughs> <laughs> right. It's a simple process. So it's simple it's doesn't a- mean easy. Yeah, I guess it just depends on how you define what simple and easy are exactly. So if you're defining the the customer journey and you're doing this map, keep in mind, you don't have to do the map for the entire organization. There may be just a specific analysis that you want to do of one specific department. For example, your accounting department, how easy is it? for your clients to pay you? How easy is it for your accounting department to communicate with your uh, your customers? So each one of these things can be a journey map all on its own. When you look at the overall process, what I would say is uh, break it down into bite-sized pieces. If you're a large organization, don't look at your entire company and say, okay, let's outline this journey map because we're only going to you know, uh, find 12 or 14 or 17 touch points. Within a small organization, you're still going to have potentially 100 touch points that every time the, con- the, uh, the customer gets in, in contact with your brand. So just know that it is, a, it is a longer process than you originally expect it to be. But once you outline the map and the journey for your, uh, for your organization, it's amazing how easy it is to make corrections beyond that. You can see exactly the friction points uh, where the customer is having a challenge with your brand or where internally you're having overlap in responsibilities and making it a friction point from one staff member to another. That's also challenging too, Chef. Right. Internal friction is every bit is important to look at is the external friction because what's happening on the inside is going to be felt on the outside. And this has always been a thing that I, I'm amazed that companies say, we're going to create, we've got this new software program. Our customers are going to love it. And behind the scenes, the employees are going, they're going to love it. But you know what? It's twice as much work to do this. Don't they realize intern- we can't do what they want us to do? And it's really a, a lot of friction. So we've got to look internally as well as externally. Now, another point I want to emphasize early on, you said, uh, hey, we talked to the leadership and then we went out and talked to all of the rest of the employees. Impossible to do with a larger company, but so important, I want to emphasize this, that the stakeholders, which are others that are probably not involved in true decision-making processes at a much higher level like leadership group would be, it's so important to include them and make them feel like they're part of something. I, I agree with you, Shep, and I, and I did make a mistake, and I want to correct myself because I think it's important to, to share this with your community that's listening to your show. Not only internally are you doing this with your organization and you're outlining the map, I think it's a great idea when you have an actual group of customers that help you help sure. share the experience. So get them involved in the process. Not only will they love it that you're trying to make improvements uh, and it will help your brand, but they're also going to share with you things that you may not even see 
on the front line, even though frontline is dealing with the customers all the time, they may be looking at it from a different perspective than your customers as well. So customers are essential to get involved in the journey mapping processes too. So what types of customers do you think you should have? Do, and people say, oh, I know it'll be easy to get our favorite customers to come in and talk to us. Is that a good customer? Or do we want somebody that left us or somebody that's been angry with us? Or do we want a combination? What's your magic mix? I was going to say, don't throw a softball at me and say, who should I get? I want the angriest customers I could get. I want to find out what those bones of contention that they had were. I want to find out why they left the organization. I, it gives you another opportunity, again, to win them back over as customers, which is certainly great. But more importantly, it gives you information. You're not going to learn anything. You're not going to create new systems based upon a customer going smoothly through the process. You're only going to get uh, uh, improvements made to the system when you can find problems. If you define what internally the staff and frontline thinks are the issues and management thinks are issues, those are the points that you want to bring up to the customers that even had other issues with you. They're going to help you solve the problems. It's worth it. No matter how uncomfortable it is, it's worth it for you to have them with, to your organization to help with this journey mapping process. It doesn't hurt to have one or two friendly customers. I will say that. <laughs> but let me tell you what I love about the customers that love you. There's a particular question that you want to ask, and that is, is there one thing that you can suggest that would make doing business with us even better? Mm, very good. And, Love that. Yeah, because if you have a bunch of people that are willing to give you a 10 on a scale of 1 to 10 or for net promoter score on a scale of 0 to 10, and they give you a 10, if they could tell you one more thing and, and you hadn't thought about it before or maybe you really thought, yeah, I've thought about it before, but now I'm hearing it from 25 different customers who already love us, it's an opportunity to improve on greatness. So, uh, Agreed. Yeah. So I call that the one thing question, which leads us to the final question, the one thing question. And is there – see, there's many variations of the one thing question. Is there oh, one – I'm, I'm scared. I'm a little scared now, Shep. You, you told me one way, and now you're going to ask me something else. <laughs> well, no, no. This is the way that you I'm, and I'm I have try. already discussed that we do on every show, which is at the end of every show, what's one thing you want to leave this audience with? It can be a reminder or something new. Just some one last nugget of wisdom from Doug Sandler. What I would tell you is if you own an organization, even a small organization, and you have people that are working for you, do not ignore that they know exactly what the journey is all about for your customer. I would say listen very carefully to what they say. Take to heart that they know. Uh, understand that I know that you've created the system, especially as a, as a company owner. You know the system. You've created it. You know it inside and out. Sometimes you forget what it's like to be on that front line. Give somebody else an opportunity to share. Never ignore the comments that your front line is making. They are a critical component in improving your customer experience, and they will help you absolutely outline your customer journey map. Great wisdom, Doug. Thanks for being on the show. Chef, thanks for having me. I'm looking forward to reading your book and uh, looking forward to getting together with you when you come out to L.A. next. I can't wait. And everybody, that was Doug Sandler. Go to DougSandler.com. Learn all about Doug. Type into the search bar, nice guy, uh, nice guy 30. That's all, nice guy 30. And you will get the five uh, topics he talked about and how to make that a habit and uh, in less than 30 days. So another episode of Amazing Business Radio has come to an end. It's been another great one. Thank you, Doug, again for being on the show. And ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening. Until next week, this is Chef Hyken reminding you to always be amazing. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.